Ayana. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Soversations with Mika Morris. Welcome, 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 sweetheart. Welcome. Thank How are you? you? I'm so good. Thank you, sis. It's so good to see your beautiful face. Just good to be vibing with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So some people, most people will know you and some people don't know you. Um, and I would love to have read your extensive bio, but I don't want us to go into a whole thing about going down all of your accolades. I want you to just give us a beautiful who you are. I want you to tell us, tell the world who Ayana Gregory is. And mm. thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, sister. I really appreciate it. Um, I, Ayana Gregory, Ayana Nkinge Gregory is... Yes. <laughs> a healer, an artist, an activist, an educator, a daughter, a sister, an auntie. Um, I am one of 11 children born to two powerful spirits, my father, the late great Dick Gregory, and my mother, who is still here, uh, Lillian Estelle Gregory. Uh, I mentioned them because their influence has informed everything that I have ever done <laughs> and what I continue to do. So the life work that I have chosen and that has chosen me has everything to do with the environment that I came up in. So I would say that's who I am, or at least a big part of who I am. Mm. And yes, the 11 children thing. Everybody knows Sir Dick Gregory, and Miss Lillian, you know, we've seen her. We've seen her in a struggle. We've seen her with her beautiful late husband. Um, but what we don't know is that they had these 11 rambunctious kids while they was fighting for, you know, our civil, our basic rights, basically. Let's not even just talk about it being civil, just our basic rights of, of equality and justice in this country. And um, so how was that growing up in a household with all of those siblings? <laughs> it was crazy sis it really it was it was beautiful it was scary it was completely unpredictable um you know I grew up in an environment where phone taps and death threats were normal mm. now as traumatic as that could be on the one hand um it was such a part of our life that I think because my parents didn't hide much from us, mm -hmm. um, the truth kind of helped take the sting of these elements away, you know? So, um, so for instance, um, I remember, you know, we would always know that the phones were tapped, you know, we always, even as a child, even before I knew what the FBI was, I was like, the FBI does not like my dad. I know that, you know? Wow. And so, we could always hear these click, click, clicks on the line. And um, and sometimes we would like, pretend like we were talking to them. You know, my sister would come up with little, you know, we're kids. So we we, we engaged that really adult uh, reality in a childlike way. So for us, you know, we said, oh, the FBI. Um, so I remember one time my sister was like, 
trying to be funny and at the time at the same time she was annoyed because these click click clicks were on the line and so she said uh she was talking to her friend and she said hold on tracy yeah i'd like to give a special shout out to the fbi funky yeah. booty, funky booty inspectors so you know it's like <laughs> from a kid's perspective it was just like y'all ain't got nothing to do nothing better to do than to eavesdrop on some kids um and so it was it was exciting. It was, um, we lived in different worlds, you know, very different worlds. First of all, we were vegetarian. Yes. 1970. to be vegetarian. I repeat the early 1970s and early 60s. Um, it was not cool. It was not fun. It did not, um, it was not anything attractive about it as a child, you know, because you just wanted to be like your peers. Nobody wanted to switch lunches with you. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody stuff thought your stuff looked weird, smelled weird. And that was already on top of, you know, we, we in 1973, pretty much all of us, except for my oldest sister, uh, were born in um, Chicago. In 1973, I was two and my younger, my youngest sibling, Johanse, was like a baby. And so my father had this idea that he was going to raise these nature babies. So we go from city kids on the okay. south side of Chicago. He moves us. I call, you know, we would laugh and say, you moved us all the way across the world. He moved us to Plymouth, Massachusetts on 300 acres of land. Wow. And your mom is still there. Mommy was horrified. She cried on site. They said she just cried on site. Because mm -mm. here we were, you know, um, 10 black kids. One, we could, <laughs> none of us could swim. And so the house was on this great big lake. And she was like, Lord, my baby's going to drown. Why did he bring us out here? I don't know nobody. And there were so few black people in the town that they used to joke and say that when we moved there, that we integrated the town. <laughs> I was like, You did. <laughs> Well, there's that. Um, so it was just a completely different world. So I lived in, I lived in kind of like four, four different worlds. So there was my house and the siblings. And that was just, as you can imagine, as busy and as wild and as rambunctious as you can imagine, it was that and more. It was just like never a dull moment. Um, so, but in my house, you know, there was a lot of pride. You know, my father was a revolutionary, a freedom fighter. He, you know, part of his, part of his message and being this was, was loving blackness, you know, yes. among other things, among, you know, so many other things. But, and so I was taught to love myself in the house. I was taught to hate myself in my school environment. I didn't mm -hmm. see anything that looked like me, sounded like me. Um, anything that related, that was relatable to me in my uh, peer environment at school. So that was a different world. So I wore a mask. I pretended, I figured, well, they won't be able to understand my world. So let me just pretend to be a part of their world. So it was a lot of pretending in my childhood at, in, at school. And they had no concept of who my father was. So, you know, so we didn't grow up in a town where we felt like celebrities because Anybody know? I mean, the, the adults knew, but my peers didn't know. And like, wait, Dick Gregory, what, what does he do? What does your dad do? So there was, so there was those two worlds in Plymouth. And then when we left home, there were two 
other worlds. There was the civil, the, the movement, the freedom rights, I mean, the, the, the freedom movement, the civil rights movement, the human rights movement, the spiritual movements. Um, and all of that was like, I felt a lot of magic in that, in that realm. Because even though it was dangerous, even though we knew we could die and we knew my father, every time he left, he might not make it home. There was something really, um, just godlike about that space. Um, it was a, it was really like a frequency, a vibration that was just so so powerful. And I was I couldn't wait till I was old enough to be a part of that. So there was that world, um, and then there was the world of celebrity in Hollywood because. As people may not know, a lot of people know him for different things. Some people know him as a health guru. Some people um, know him as a comedian. Some people know him as, as an activist. But he started out in Hollywood, actually. And so it was almost like he was one of those many celebrities like Lena Horne and Sidney Poitier and um, so many others, Nina Simone, um, who were called on by people like Dr. King and Medgar Evers and, um, and so many others to bring attention because they knew when the celebrities came, the cameras would follow. Um, but they didn't, you know, dad didn't know that when Medgar Evers called him to go down to Mississippi, that he would really never go back to Hollywood. He thought, okay, I'm leaving my comfortable, um, cushy life. Uh, to go march in, in the sticks down in the sticks in, in, in Mississippi. And I'm gonna march and I'm gonna go back and do my gigs. But what he experienced when he was down there was so tremendous that he never returned. And so dad lived in these two different worlds. He, you know, on, on, so on, and so he took us with him. So on one, on any given day, we might be in Louisiana or Mississippi or wherever, you know, down South, you know, running for our lives or marching for our lives, um, getting ready to go to jail or watching our father get beat down and jailed and then released. There was that world, listening to old grandmothers, you know, sharecroppers who couldn't even read or write, listening to this rich, rich history of a people who just wanted to be seen as they actually were, as dignified royal people, right? And so, but then there was this other world that he, that he was a part of, where you know um the the where the celebrities were and so it was a very different juxtaposition because the interesting thing was as much as i was excited to you know meet some of the singers and celebrities that i loved i never really felt really comfortable in that realm and i think it was because we were really grounded as grassroots as a grassroots family steeped in the movement so it was just a very different you know, I moved between those four worlds and just kind of navigated everywhere you go. It yeah. was, was this max for this, this setting. And then I'm gonna go over here where this max for that setting. I'm gonna be Dick Gregory's daughter over here. I'm gonna be Ayanna Gregory over here. I'm gonna be that black girl over here. I'm gonna, you know, so whew, that was a lot on your plate. That was a lot to deal with. It so was. I'm going to break up a little bit of this momentum that we have going with just a basic little, what's your favorite color, girl? <laughs> Purple! <laughs> tell, me, tell me why it's purple. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
I, I don't think I, I mean, I think I grew into the knowledge of why, but as a child in fourth grade, I declared at fourth grade that purple was my favorite color for life. And it has remained thus. And so, you know, as I've gotten older and I've heard, wow, purple is royalty, purple yeah. is spiritual. Then I'm like, okay, okay, that makes sense. It makes sense. sense. It, makes makes sense. it was called to purple, royalty. To purple. Yes, the beauty of it. Um, yeah, so I, I love that we're having this conversation during Black History Month. We know Black history is every single day of our lives. Yes, indeed. Um, but you you pretty much answered where, where you were born and how how it's how it was growing up in that in this big family and it's big gracious just like you know we can be outsiders everybody feels like they they know your dad you know but to know you it's like just I talk to you all the time and and it's it's every time I talk to you I learn something new and it's just a beautiful thing to talk to someone with that like you speak not only from a view of who your father was, but you were heavily in all of this, mm -hmm. you know, like to have these amazing stories. I mean, a lot of people will never be affected by what racism is, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the unfortunate truth, but yet still in 2023, we see that it's, you know, it's very present in our society, mm -hmm. but to know all of that and to know that your father sacrificed his whole being, you know, um, your, your family's life, like he was pulled away a lot. He was probably gone more than he was there. Um, not to have not had his 10 babies though. <laughs> it's 11 babies. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so to, to, to have to to have, to have to have navigated through that mm. and your mother's daughter because Ms. Mm. is still here and you know she's they they built and created such a legacy how how did you manage all of these worlds with 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 in it from an, an emotional standpoint how did you care for yourself you know once you once you grew up and you had to realize you you had to become just Ayanna Gregory in 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 Washington DC yeah um I think one of the first things was that I had to recognize that there were more that there was more masking than I realized and mm -hmm. I listened to the honesty of close friends you know I remember mm -hmm. um my one of my best friends and music director James McKinney and you know he would say Ayana you have this whole thing that you are on stage and it's royal and it's powerful and he said and, and all of those things are cool he said but there's so much more that you are behind closed doors that the world never gets to see and you're afraid to be those things. And it wasn't until he said that, that I even realized how much delayering I had to do. And, um, cause you know, we grew up under a microscope. We were, yep. we always had a camera in our face, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, I learned to lie growing up in a lot of ways. Um, and so I think just, getting to a place where I could say, you know what, Ayana, you get to be all the things that you actually are because the creator has already seen those things. Okay. So the things that you feel are contradictory, they get to coexist. You can take the secular and the sacred and put it on the table at the same time. And you get to be all of that because I would just show this group this. I remember one time I was um, teaching. 
I was teaching like uh, at an African centered school. And so, you know, we would always dress everything super covered up and um, everything was, you know, presented in a particular fashion. And I, and I love, you know, I love being African centered. And at the same time, there was a time where I felt like I was um, hiding aspects of me that I felt like I couldn't present to that world. So I remember one time I was, um, I was in the mall with my friends and we were just clowning and cutting up. And I had on like a little midriff, little crop top, stomach out. And I saw one of my students and parents, I started running. I started running, like, no, with my coat and I, I can't. And I was like, really, you that scared? Like, seriously? So it was like things being revealed to me, like you get to be who you are. You went to a lecture to talk to people about wellness and you just had a bag of Skittles. Well, talk about it. Just bring it into the conversation. Stop lying. Stop acting like you're only this one thing. Like, just, just let it, let it be. Just let it breathe. And I think that process just started, it started to feel good when I started telling like myself. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I like this. Hold up. And so it just, yeah, I started giving myself permission to just free up. I'm always, you know, because I have these girls, I'm always trying to get to the point where I can get them to understand that you can lie to a whole bunch of people, but you better be telling yourself the absolute truth. You understand? And then, and then and only then can you feel the need not to even lie. For what? Lie for what? Here I am, unashamed. Here I am, flawed. Here I am. Just here I Mm -hmm. am. So, whoo, that delay, you know, it's, I can imagine living in all of those worlds, presenting all these different ways, and then even taking that into your adult life and not even feeling free enough at, right. at, as an adult to just be an adult. Yeah. So thank God for that. Um, mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself during the pandemic? Wow. You know, I was trying to think about that. Um, I was really trying to think about what did I learn? I know there were things that I learned um, because I know that for some, for so many people, it was like, I learned that when I just stopped, the world continues and the things that I thought I had to do, I really didn't, I really didn't have to do. But I can't say that I learned that because I live in a realm where that was kind of already my flow. And so I'm you like, was already, it was already there. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, Yana, because what what did you learn? I think one of the things is um, I learned how much I took for granted my need for physical touch and just physical connection. Mm. You know, I was so used to seeing faces and embracing, you know, I'm a hugger and, you know, just, I'm a, I'm a person that likes to, um, to, to experience, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I like talking on the phone, but I like meeting with people and just being in the space of, and so when that, when that thing went down and it was just like, wow, you know, I'm seeing people's, the mask and just seeing their eyes, it was, that was just like, wow, you, t- I took for granted, um, my the, the blessing of just being able to just to hug a family you know I think 
that was something that was just like, wow, I didn't even think about the absence of this because I always took for granted it would always be here. Right? Yeah. I think that's a good answer because, I mean, a lot of people gained some things, especially financially, and then a lot of people lost connections with people. Mm -hmm. so they, you missed that physical connection. That, 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 that pretty much sums it up. It's like we had to learn how to coexist without all of these things that we had just been used to. I remember once we got back out thinking, do I touch you? Do I hug you? What are we doing? This part, what, like, what are we doing now? <laughs> mm -hmm. And as much as COVID still exists, um, we're still like in limbo with these things. We're still trying to see like, how close do I want to be to you? How should I hug you? And should I, you know, and that is really weird when you are a person who likes physical touch, right. you know? And I think it's either, you know, either made some of us more aware of that and it made some of us like more scared of it, you know? Right. Yeah. That, that's, and that's kind of, you know, unfortunately to me, all in all, it's just a weird, weird place. Um, even yeah. now, kids who still have to wear masks because they have to go home to their grandparents and all you see is their little eyes. You can't see their expression. You can't know what they really feel. You know? So we're still kind of living in these strange times, but um, how is this season going for you in, in life? How is this season going? I'm loving this season. I know um, you've done a lot of traveling lately, so. I have. Um, last in the fall of 2022, I traveled to Ghana and Benin. I was mostly in Ghana um, during that time. That was for about a month. And it was a beautiful experience. Um, I was with a group of about 30 people. Um, I was traveling with the Auxerre Auxet Society. And for those who don't know, it's a powerful organization. Um, that practices ancient Egyptian, ancient Kemetic way of life, way of living. And um, um, I was with, I was performing. I was with alongside several other performers and, and our leader um, who was really bringing us to different parts all over the region, all in so many regions all around Ghana to, um, to, raise money for a project called Rebuild Africa, which was um, really about sustainable living and mm -hmm. allowing students, um, raising money to send students from all over Ghana to a place called the Songhai Center in Benin, where this brilliant, brilliant, brilliant African uh, genius um, created this sustainable living um, environment ecosystem that's being studied all over the world. And so it was really, it was, it was powerful. It really was. I, it, I pushed my limits because, you know, at 50, 50, I had my 51st birthday over in Africa. That was my first time um, spending a birthday in Africa. But I was like, hold up. Cause you know, I've been traveling for a minute and I was like, wait, I'm not 25 no more. I can't be on these buses, planes, trains and automobiles like this. Uh, but it was, it was, it was beautiful. And then um, I, I went to, I spent, it's funny because, you know, when I think about my favorite place to visit or my favorite vacation place, you know, everybody who knows me knows that it's Jamaica, but it's funny because I don't even really call it visiting anymore because it's become oh. a second home. It's just become a second home. It's just my place, you know, 
So I spent a lot of time there. I've been, you asked me, how is this season? This mm -hmm. season feels um, very charged. It feels very electric. I'm looking at my father right now. He's looking at me. I just have to put this on the, um, so he's looking, you know, you know, daddy's, daddy's just looking and he, and, and so this was sitting on the um, counter and I was just like, even though he's not winking, I feel like he's winking at me. Like you are, like you know what I'm saying? And so I'm feeling the, in, I'm feeling the energetic of the, 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 the abundance frequency that, um, that he inspired in us. You know, we grew up in an environment, a very non-religious, but very spiritual environment where we were, you know, even as kids and we didn't even understand OM and I am and all of these, you know, just universal spiritual uh, meditations and affirmations and prayers. We grew up in that environment. So to now live in a, in a moment where I can call on those things um, at this point in my life and call on him, to understand like, wow, daddy, this, this abundance thing really is a frequency. When I look at money, it's just, it, it's like play. It's like play money. It's just like, okay, it's the energetic. It's the, you know, when I think of currency and actual currents, energy, currents running yeah. through you, that we awesome. get to carry it with us. So I've been having fun. I've been, I just got back from Iowa. I was, um, my god sister free who just handles everything for me i love her so much um we she's the tech director for my one woman show daughter of the struggle and that play is about growing up as a child of the civil rights movement so i do it all over the country um i've done it in the caribbean as well and um so anyway so i do it a lot on the college circuit so i just came back from the university of northern iowa it was powerful it was just the elders in the room the children um I find that I've, I've been able to co-create a way of life for myself where what I love to do is what sustains me, literally and figuratively. And so I've just been having fun. I've been feeling the ancestors so strong. I've been loving all mommy, spending time with my mom because my mom and, and two of my sisters and some of my cousins from Cleveland joined me in um, in Jamaica, my last week there. So mm -hmm. I think everybody's feeling like, yo, nothing is promised. Like, let's just live. Let's yeah. let's be up in each other's faces. Let's hug on each other. Let's love on yeah. each other. Where we gonna go next? And okay. so that's how I feel like, what's next? I feel like a little girl right now, like, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> I love that space. Um, so you just discussed a little bit about your one woman show. Where are you headed to next? I am headed to, well, I have a lot of things a lot of uh, Black History Month um, engagements here in DC, because I do a lot of um, schools, a lot of kin kindergarten through high schools. And so I do um, kind of like an abridged version of the play. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow I'll be going to Annapolis, Maryland to uh, a private school um, to perform for first, first through fourth graders. And so, um, so that'll be fun. So I have a few, a few engagements here in DC and then I'll be going to Connecticut next that'll be the next um out of town gig i'll be going to connecticut new york cleveland um wow. and yeah just moving around just doing what i love and it's, it's la girl yes indeed <laughs> i'm so that was the other th oh speaking of la uh -huh. being in the the play called veils that was the first time that i was a part of a musical and mm -hmm. for those who don't know um veils is a play that is basically about 
the mothers of the movement. But within that, I played uh, Trayvon Martin's mother. So it was very emotional, very intense play. And that was the last time I was in LA. That was um, um, last, when was it? Last in September. And shout out to um, Courtney Baker and Stephen Butler, who were the, the director and, and writer. Uh, playwright of that play. Um, but I say that to say that it was, it just, every time I come to Los Angeles, I feel, um, I feel renewed. I feel, I feel like every time I come to LA, it's a magical experience. I spend a lot of time in nature. Um, you know, I come see you and the family, spend time with the girls and I just feel, um, lifted and so i would love to uh the same the same theater i can't think of the name of it but the same theater that we did the the musical the veils is the same theater that i will likely bring my play because i you know talked to the um to the manager there and she or one of the directors there and she was really interested so i can't wait because the last the only time i did the play in los angeles was can't remember the year but it was the year my father got his hollywood star and okay. so I, I, I did the play like around that time and I haven't done it since. So I think it's about that time. It is about that time. It really is. Um, if you could have tea, because I know you're a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. If you could have tea with anybody in the world, present, um, past, or fictional character, who would you have this, this cup of tea with? Mm. I would definitely say Malcolm X. Woo! It would have to be Brother Malcolm. Tell me about this tea day, girl. They'll have really good jabez. Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. I mean, outside of just the obvious reasons of him just being like, just the epitome of just beautiful, beautiful Blackness and yes. revolution and freedom and just Blackness loving Blackness and unafraid, unashamed, brilliant just brilliant um i would get chills even as a child watching his speeches but i think you know i didn't get to meet a lot of the giants that my that were my father's peers so mm -hmm. um, malcolm x was close with my dad um dad was close with uh, dr king and of course he was even closer with medgar evers um but he you know, there's there there are these giants in their public form, and then they're they're human. And so I think because Daddy would talk about how funny Malcolm was and how shy he was when he was off camera, um, and just I mean, we already knew how brilliant and beautiful he was. I I guess I just I would have loved just the opportunity to feel his 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 energy and just the the 360 degrees human. You know, not him giving a speech, but just like to be close to him and have tea and just listen to the brother, just feel his vibration and spirit. Um, I yeah, I would definitely say that. I feel weird because the way you're describing is tea and I'm thinking about all of the times I would see Malcolm X or, you know, heard about him or, cause you know, he was way before my time. Mm -hmm. um, I would have had a crush on him. Yes. <laughs> like the brilliance of who he was and just the strength of, you know, the sacrifices that he made, like Absolutely. that just, just like, I feel like off center even saying this, like, I, I think I would have had a little crush on I think I, I did. As a matter of fact, now that you're saying that, like it gave me permission to say the same thing. I know I did. I'm absolutely sure of it. And again, and in that house and then hearing those stories and thinking like, yeah, 
God, I want a husband just like that, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Okay. What, what, what is the piece of advice that was given to you that, was, that you feel like is the best piece of advice and that you still use to this day? Mm. I remember I was on my way to India and mm -hmm. I called my dad the night before I was leaving. And, you know, he's this world traveler, you know, just wise guru. And so I was like, hey, daddy, you know, I'm on my way to India. I just want to know, is there anything you want to tell me? Or, and he said, um, just remember one thing. No, no. He said, he said, are you going to the Taj Mahal? And I said, oh, yes, 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 yes. You know, one of the great wonders of the world. And he said, yeah, one of the great wonders of the world. He said, but just remember one thing. If you don't take it with you, you won't find it there. And I was like, okay, well, how does that, how does that relate to the top? And then I was just like, you know, that Dick Gregory, it marinated. It might take you a couple of days, you know what I'm saying? Like, that Dick Gregory might take a minute. But how was, long did it take you to get it? <laughs> it took me, I mean, con like conceptually, mm -hmm. it landed immediately, but I was trying to figure out the connection between like, well, wait, well, what does that have to do with me going to the Taj Mahal? And then I just, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, well, wait, why, why are you, I get it generally, but specifically. And he wanted more. And he, he just, he left it right there. He left it right there. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just like, wow. I was like, oh, like I get it. So when you're in the presence of greatness and you're marveling at something, especially something that you may be in awe of, or it means that that thing exists in you. Otherwise, you couldn't have manifested it. And so that well, you was can't, a, you can't you can't appreciate it. Absolutely. I, oh my God, that's that's so good because I'm so literal that when elders tell me things like that, I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, whatever. And I don't ask them that. I'm thinking that the whole time until I figure it out. Absolutely. So that would I would have been on a plane like. It would have just been going through my mind until I got it. And then when I would have got, it wouldn't have clicked for me though until I got there and witnessed it and then put the words together and visually saw it. So right. I was just wondering like, so when you, when, when you receive that piece of advice and then the time that you now still use it, do you still feel it? Do you still hear it this exactly the same tone? Does it still resonate the exact same way that it was given to you? And it and 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 you you apply it to each situation like that? Or is it was it just a one-time thing and then it's something that you kind of meditate on throughout? You understand where I'm going? Absolutely. I think to be honest with you, not only does it resonate continuously, it resonates deeper and deeper each year you know when you're just like damn there's levels to this and so you're like oh i get it i get it and then something else happens you're like damn okay okay daddy okay and it was so simple it was just like if you don't take if you don't would it, would it say it again if you don't take it with you you won't find it there find it there so yeah. i can see that i can see that resonating all the time all the years all the years absolutely so passing that information on to the kids in your life absolutely absolutely and just you know i think rem reminding 
telling them and, and sharing with them is also a reminder to myself and even the child in me. Um, you get to, and, and which comes to, because because to me, it's really, um, it's a worthiness conversation because most of us in this society have not been taught to, um, to really value ourselves and to really have a high sense of worthiness, even when we think we do. And so I think that um, for me, that, that the idea that if you don't take it with you, you won't find it there. That, so now another way of, 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 of looking at that is like, there's sometimes when I, when I see things outside of myself that I think are amazing or um, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to be here or I'm, I don't even know how I got here. And it's like, boo-boo, <laughs> if, if it wasn't for you, it wouldn't have come to you. And it doesn't come to you as, as, as much as it comes through you. So the whole of like, I can't believe I got this money. And it's like, which is why, you know, you can, somebody can win $50 million and lose it because the frequency was still a frequency of poverty. But if it's like, if the abundance is already coming through me, well, I can't lose it because I never lost it. So that piece, it continues to come to, I have to remind myself because I still sometimes play this game with myself around worthiness. There are times when I still fall into a slump or say, oh, I look at, you know, I look at what other people are doing, like, but damn, well, how did she, well, damn, well, I should be, and, and, and have that conversation with myself. And I'm like, we're not going there. And then we come back to the the, it, it all connects to the whole, like the frequency, like I am my own walking frequency that I get to embody it and be it such that every, everything, every blessing that comes to me is one that was designed for me, not something where I just snuck in the door and I don't really belong here, but no. And so with that part, like, no, I brought it, I brought it with me and it was given to me from birth. So that part. You better preach, girl. Girl? Um, which, which leads me to how do you manage the self-care thing that you're going through? This self-care. How do you... I know how I've seen you manage it. You come into your home and I just got to just, you know, tell, some, tell, an, tell of an experience that I had coming to your home. You come into her home and honey, it's affirmations everywhere. And you have to read the wall out loud and you have to embody it and you have to feel it. And then there's the music and then there's the, there's the incense and then there's the tea and the ancestors altar. How do you, Yana, even in that space, because we know that everybody has their ups and their downs, you know, and thank God we can know, we know how to get there. So how do you get to your ups again on those down days? How do you manage? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Ooh, I would say a couple of the big, big, big things for me is um, when I immerse myself in, in mother nature, all is well in my world. Mm. And I'm clear about that. So I spend a lot of time in nature and I spend a lot of time with children. Yes. I don't have any biological children of my own, but I surround myself with the babies. So I may go um, to my brother's house, my brother and sister-in-law and, and see my little nieces and have them um, just cracking me up or teaching me a new dance or playing some game or we're telling a, we're in the, in the midst of a lot of times we, 
we do this storytelling where we just create the story in the moment. And then I just caught up, I get caught up in a whole nother world and say, wow, you know, look at, look at these children. Like when they get sad, cause they're my teachers in that way. Like watching them be in the moment and say, you worried about what happened yesterday or what hasn't yet happened. And they are already, they didn't left, they, that's gone. And, and they not even worrying about tomorrow. They're like, no, get this good, good right here. And so I love that. So being with children, spending time with children, being silly, laughing, laughter was such a, I'll tell you, laughter was one of the most consistent things in my house. I mean, if we, even if we weren't really messing with each other in the house, like it was mad at, boy, I'm telling you, we could laugh our asses off and it, it all would be. So laughter, um, intentionally laughing, being with the kids, spending time in nature, setting boundaries like that is, has been a really big one because especially as black folk and then as black women. And we feel like we have these responsibilities and, and everybody can quote unquote, make us feel guilty about it's like, nobody can make you nothing. You know, this is, I'm comfortable with these boundaries that I've set for myself. And I'm okay with saying no, when no served me. And I'm okay with saying yes, when that served me. And so I think being more comfortable not hiding from the bound, you know, sometimes I said them, but then I'm a, oh, I'm sorry, cause I'm apologizing. You don't have to do that. Yeah. So the boundary setting, I think, has been a really big part of self-care and and realizing that we can be our own medicine. Like, you know, that I do this healing work and I do sound baths. And sometimes one day it just was like, ding, 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 ding. Sing for your damn self, boo-boo, in your own living room. You know what I'm saying? And I would, you know, all of these, I have all these different instruments and, you know, like it's got this chime and... Um, I have, you know, the, the, the singing bowls and all these things. And it's like, well, you know, before you had all that, you had, you had your voice, mm. sister, sister. And so I'll put my hand on my own throat and, mm. you know, saying things out loud and singing and just calling on the spirit, meditating. Because oftentimes I think I would look, I would be like, okay, but let me, let me look up a guided meditation or let me listen to that. And those things are beautiful. So many, 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 many avenues of the teachers and guides that are out here for us. And sometimes there's a voice that's saying, you don't need to go to YouTube, just be still and let your meditation come out. And so that has been, um, that has been a blessing too. Yes. (sighs) I'm I'm just in awe <laughs> of all that's been said today. Um, that was good. That was good. How often are you meditating? You know, I don't meditate regularly. I would say um, maybe like a couple times a week. But I think what happens is that I'm called to meditate throughout the week. And so that then becomes my meditation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes I don't even realize how much I need it. Because sometimes I take it for granted. I'm like, yeah, you got that. And it's like, but then I'll do it for other people in the week. And I'm like, oh, you so mellow. You good. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't smoke marijuana, but I feel like in my mind, like, man, that's, that must be like, what a, just the good joint was like, <laughs> you just, like, you good. You just, it's easy. Everything is easy. You ain't worrying about nothing. 
Um, so I think it, it ends up happening several times a week, one way or another, whether it's like just for me or I'm doing it on Zoom or somebody's coming over and I'm like, well, let me let me do this or let me, you know, I think you look like you need some or, you know, sometimes I'm doing group sessions that are requested. So it happens weekly, not daily, but definitely a few times a week. And sometimes it's just it'll just be a mantra. You know, I'll just wake up and because it's all around me and the affirmations are all around, I'll see something and I'll just start skipping or just, you know, I'll just, I'll say it out loud. Um, each day I wake up with a grateful heart. And, and so I'll, I'll just think about the things I'm grateful for, or I'll say it out loud and won't even really think of it as a meditation, but it's there. It's just there. It's just there. Right. It's just being in the stillness and the space mm -hmm. of, being grateful, yes. Um, I think we kind of went through what you're currently working on. What's your what's the top of the priority for like future Yana's goals? Ooh, As I know oh. one. I, I've been trying to get on my girl to do this meditation um, album. Yes, I've been yes. trying to get her to do this, but you know, I, this it's my question, but it's also my answer. But what's your answer? <laughs> that okay and i think i think um because you know i'll i'll be honest a lot of the things that i've said i've wanted to do in the past i really did allow um lack of discipline and in money conversations to be a reason why i didn't you know i'm like okay you've been saying you wanted to do the meditation album i want to do um several different musical projects and that one uh is is very high up on the list and so i would say well what do i need to do that and i said well i gotta have this and i gotta have this i gotta have this and in the meantime i just move on to whatever's happening in real time and so now the space that i'm in right in this season is so exciting because and i, I think i had shared this with you before that something happened in iowa just this this past weekend um and I was like, I was having um, a moment with my niece, Akoma, and who's six years old. And I was like, well, she called me. And, 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 and before, I think I would have been like, baby, I can't talk right now. I got to focus. But I was like, no, let me just bring her into my, into my moment. Mm -hmm. And she said, what are you doing, auntie? And I was like, I'm getting ready to be on stage. And, um, and I said, well, I said, you know what? Maybe you could help me. I said, you know, one of the one of the characters I play in my play is a little girl who's six years old um, because I play my older sister, Lynn, who at six years old talks about marching uh, as a little girl and being thrown in the police car in, in, in Chicago. And so Akoma was just intrigued, you know? So, she, so I said, well, you're six. So I really wanna do better at sounding like a real six-year-old. And so can you help me? And she's like, yeah, I can help you. I said, okay, so, um, I'll get home in about a few days and I'll come and see you and we can work on it. She was like, a few days? She said, isn't your show now? Isn't it tonight? I said, yeah. She said, well, what are we waiting for? I said, well, no, I don't want you to strain your voice because I know you're not feeling, but she said, I'm fine. Girl, I had me a whole six-year-old lesson. Yes. My baby girl just started rattling off the lines and um, it was so powerful. And something just got up in me coming out of that and then moved into, 
I felt like on stage, I there was no nervousness at all. And I'm usually not super nervous, but usually there's a little bit, but I just felt so grounded. Like, wow, what is it? How, how is it that a coma could be so comfortable not planning for something and just doing it in the moment? If she can do that, then I can do this with ease. And so now going back to your question, I feel like something is happening now where I'm not putting off the things that I'm inspired to do. And so I'm not overwhelming myself either with like, okay, you've got 60, 50 billion things you want to do. I'm like, I'm not worried about all that. Right now, I am inspired to let the world know about these powerful performances and in the healing works that I do. And so I'm reaching out to, to folks and entities and organizations and schools. And there's so many people reaching back. And I was like, man, how come I didn't do this before? It was self-sabotage. It was like, I didn't think I was worthy. I would take one step forward, 10 steps backward. And I was like, okay, that's what you did before. You're not choosing that now. Now what? What are we doing now? And so it's just been fun. And so I'm just like, just keep having fun, Ayana, and keep honoring you know, in, in fun, honor, honor, honor your ancestors and be with authenticity too. Not like, well, I'm going to honor them because I feel like I'm so holy. Like, no, you be real and ask for what you need and, 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 and tell on yourself when you need to. And so I feel like now, um, I'm just enjoy. I'm just really in the moment right now, enjoying every day, feeling, feeling good. Um, if I feel a low moment, like embracing that, honoring that and say, you get to feel that. I mean, we are, and I'm including you, we are feelers and healers and we are intuitors and empaths and that ain't no, that ain't no easy thing. And so it's like, just, you know, you signed up for this baby. So just go for the ride. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that meditation album is definitely coming. And I honestly feel like it's creating itself because the meditations that I've been called to do, girl, I have all these meditations that were created in the moment, in the spirit. I'm like, well, baby, the, the album is done. You just got to go into the studio now. That's it. That's it. That's it. I love that you use the six-year-old story because, you know, that famous question, what would you tell your six-year-old? What would you tell your seven-year-old self? Ooh. I would tell her that she doesn't have to try to fit in to the world around her. Mm. I would tell her that. And I would tell her that her uniqueness is her superpower. Mm. Um, because I was really afraid of my power in a very big way. I was, I was afraid of it. I, I purposely dumbed myself down um, because I just felt like a creature from another planet. I was like, I'm an alien. I don't know where I belong. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell nobody about the thoughts in my head. I just have to pretend to be normal. And so I, I would definitely tell my seven-year-old self that that part that I was hiding is really my superpower, like lean into that, like just, 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 just step into that and, and be that and just. I love that. I love that. Wow. Okay. This, that's going to help a lot of little girls. That's, yeah, they're struggling with their differences, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's your superpower. God gave you that because that's your superpower. Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna flip that question. 
what would you tell your, what's the conversation that you would want to have with your 80 year old self? Woo! <laughs> I want to see how it all worked out. Let me start. <laughs> um, wow. Wow. What a great question, sis. Mm. Wow. I would, I would want, I mean, I, I would want to ask my 80 year old self some questions, you know, I would want to, um, I would want to, oh gosh, that's a really great question. Yeah. Think about that. What would I, what would I want to, what would I want that exchange to be? I would really, um, because I'm kind of like, I'm not torn, but it's like between what I would want to share and really just what I would want to receive from the wisdom of my 80 year old self. Yes. You know what I mean? Just really just, I think there's so much curiosity I have around like, how does it all, how does it, what, what, is, what, is, what, is, what does that final season look like for you? Oh, no, no, you're creating it. I'm creating it. Yes. I think that ha, that's great. I'm glad you said that because you brought me right back on track. Mm -hmm. I think looking at my 80 year old self uh, will really, would just be <laughs> like, damn, okay. Like looking at a, you know, just like an OG, like a, a, yes. a spiritual OG, <laughs> like this is what it looked like, you know? <laughs> gray locks hanging and just just yes. as a breeze like let me tell you something yes. let me holla at you let me holla at you um i see i see my 80 year old self just smiling and 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 really like eat just more than anything like laughing a lot and just like if like baby girl if you only knew how easy it was you know mm -hmm. to just let go and be and let this thing called life surrender go with the wave and have really have some fun and i could hear her saying baby it really don't get crack until 60. it yes. really don't get crack. i could just see her saying like baby you ain't seen nothing yet you think you, you think you think think something happened already watch watch how it works watch the master work. watch the master work i can hear my father saying that watch the master work i love that well, yeah. it has been a great conversation with you, Yana. Oh my God. Thank, Thank you for being my second guest, not my second and last guest, because you will be back, I'm sure, to give us some more jewels because you always mm -hmm. um, I love you so much. I Thank you for so shining much. the bright purple lights. <laughs> 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 Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for always yes to you. If I need it, if I just need to bang, you're there. You give me a beautiful ear. Um, but thank you for doing the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for pouring into to young people's lives. Like you're you you're just such a bright spirit. And thank you for sometimes bringing me along with you. Um, I love being in your space. I love creating space for you. And I just love you, girl. Thank you. I love for you out with sober stations with Mika. Can I say how honored I am to be to be on this platform having this conversation with you as somebody that I genuinely love in real life um, 
And as just somebody who's just a real one, sis, I, 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 I am inspired by your, um, you remind me of like what my mom was like in her youth because she was just, she wasn't moved by celebrities. She wasn't like, she was such a real one from the beginning. You know what I mean? And she just was so just that, and, and um, moms are sad. And there's, there's something about when I first connected with you, I was like, oh, she's a real, real one. And so I just, I feel like there are times where your, your honesty, your authenticity reminds me of what I can give myself permission to do when I forget, because sometimes I forget and say, no, you can, you get to be you all the way. You don't got to dumb it down. You don't have to wait and see, is it okay to say, it's like, so I look at you and I watch you and you do it with love and um, you vibrate on such a high, on such a high level. And you, you, you lovingly um, share your wisdom. You know, if at the times where I was in stuck places the way, you know, you might, it may be some words that you shared, or it might be some Abraham Hicks that I needed, <laughs> but whatever it was, it was like, that's, that's what I need in my loved ones. Like the lifting, not a, oh, we going to talk about the drama, but no, you, you always, always lift me up back into, back into me. I always feel like, okay, she reminding me of something. And so Sis, I love you. I really, really do. I love your family. I love them girls. You already know. And I just, yeah, you already know. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you, mama. All right. Bye-bye.